Well, this is a very exciting morning for us. I know most of you aren't hockey fans, but this is our phase one as we move back into having people here in the church building. Now, this morning, I was actually the only person worshiping here, and I either because I'm so excited or because the worship music and everything was just leading to it, but I was emotional over there. So I'm going to be a wreck in two weeks' time when we move to phase two and we start to invite those of you in the congregation back into worship with us. When I was a kid growing up on the farm, we had a really big garden. It was so big that my father actually used the tractor and the lever harrows to cultivate it each year. But Dad never had a machine that would pick the weeds. So Mom would get my brother and I out there every summer picking weeds. At first, it was probably like my grandchildren, my granddaughter Jane. Oh, Grampy, I help. So she helps me vacuum. Oh, I'm washing the dishes. I help. Or I'm outside mowing the lawn. I help. But eventually, kids grow out of that, and it takes a little more work. So I didn't enjoy that job. And I now realize why she didn't enjoy it. And that's because it was a horrible job. And one of the things I've learned is that no one likes to pull weeds. But everyone likes to have a beautiful garden. We'd like to have a really nice lawn. We don't want weeds to be there in our lawn as well. And I think that's true spiritually also. In Galatians 5.22, Paul says this, about growing a spiritual garden. But the Spirit produces the fruit of joy, love. Let me get that straight. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I believe that everyone wants those things. I believe that we want to be growing in those areas. But before he gives the list of the fruit of the Spirit, Paul gives another list that we don't pay that much attention to. So we're moving back into verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So he zeroes in on the fact that the sinful nature wants what is contrary to the Spirit. And here's the key point. You can't grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life if you don't pull the weeds of the sinful nature. And when we pull weeds in our garden or from our lawn, we have a tendency to just kind of grab the ones that are at the surface, and we don't dig down and get those weeds out. I was doing some work in my lawn just yesterday morning, and look at the weeds, and, and, and look at the roots on these things. Some of them were 15 centimeters long, and this was just when I started. Later on, they got bigger and bigger. So we tend to approach the sinful nature the same way. We treat it as a behavior modification, and we try to change a few things on the surface, some things that other people might see in us, but we don't dig down deep and get sin out by its roots. Because if we don't get the root of that weed, that thing is coming back again. Most of us want love, joy, peace, and patience in our lives, but we're not willing to do the hard work. 
So I'm inviting you to get down on your knees and to get into the dirt to pull the weeds of the sinful nature so that the Spirit of God can grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Just imagine that your backyard is an overgrown garden and you keep looking at it and you keep dreaming about all the amazing things you could grow in there. You're thinking carrots and peas, maybe tomatoes, maybe even strawberries. But each year goes by and you don't do anything about it. So finally you decide, okay, this is the year. I'm going to go get some seeds. And you're so excited to get things growing that you don't even actually prepare the soil. And after a few weeks, you notice something is growing, but it certainly doesn't look healthy, and you start to wonder, what's wrong? Are the seeds duds? And you say, no, I bought them from a good place. Did I not water them enough? Well, yes, I did water them plenty, and the sun's been shining, so it's not a lack of sun. The problem is that you planted the seeds without first preparing the soil, without pulling those weeds. And I think that has happened to many of us in our lives. We look at our lives. We don't necessarily like what we see. We see an area in which we would like to do things differently. And we have good plans. We have good intentions. We even ask God to... And we find ourselves in the old way of doing things. The problem is that for many of us, we've tried to plant seeds in a garden that's overgrown with weeds. These weeds are choking our crop. One section of my back lawn, which is actually a second front lawn because we have a street on both sides of our house, but it died last fall. And I was hoping to get to it and do some major work this spring, but I didn't. But I went out and I spread grass seed over all my lawn just to overseed and try and get some growth. But the result, the weeds that I showed you a few moments ago, th there was no way the grass seed could grow in that. In Galatians, Paul explains the reason why we aren't the people we want to be. So in chapter 5, verse 17, our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit. And the Spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other, so you cannot do just what you please. So the reason you aren't loving the way you want to be loving, or the reason that you aren't at peace the way you want to be at peace, is because in the garden where that fruit is growing, there are weeds that are choking out the fruit. Paul says that the sinful nature and the Spirit they're contrary to one another. They're going to be in a constant battle with one another. And it's a raging battle. They want opposite things for your life. So the only way you'll grow the fruit of the Spirit is if you starve the sinful nature. In a few weeks, we'll be talking about the fruit of joy in your life. And you say, I want to be a really joyful person. I want my kids to think of me this way. I want my friends to think of me as a joyful person. But right now, that's not the reputation I have. People think of me as negative, as cynical and critical, and always a little bit down. But that's not what I want to be. 
So what are the weeds that are choking that fruit out? My guess is that you've prayed for joy in your life, so it's possible that there's a weed of bitterness that you've allowed to grow in your garden, and it has overtaken the whole thing. Maybe that is bitterness toward your parents and the home that you grew up in, or maybe it's bitterness toward an ex because you got a really raw deal. That weed of bitterness chokes out the fruit of joy. So do you see how this works? You don't go into an overgrown garden and just start planting seeds. Before we talk about growing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we must first acknowledge and deal with the weeds that are already there. It's not fair to worship and to listen to a message on the fruit of the Spirit one day a week and then not do anything else to talk about love and joy and peace and patience and ask God to grow that in our lives if the rest of the week we're watering the seeds of the sinful nature. That's just not how it works. When we go to PEI, basically between Christmas and New Year's each year, and then we try to get over for a week or two in the summer, I will make an effort to get out to the gym and work out while we're there. And I usually go to the University of Prince Edward Island. They have an amazing facility there. It's also the least expensive in the city. And I also played hockey for them in 1981-82. And there's a picture up on the second floor of that complex of our team. So I kind of like to go check out my picture. So I was there one summer, and I was up on the second floor looking at my, our team picture. And there was a big window there, and you could see through the window down to the parking lot. And I noticed this overweight man get out of his car and reach into the back seat and get his back, his, um, cover it over your shoulder. Nobody's here to help me out with the word, backpack. And then I thought, okay, this is good. He's trying to get in shape. But then he reached back into the front seat and pulled out a cup with a spoon sticking out of it. And I couldn't see what it was at first, but as he got closer to the complex, I could see Dairy Queen on it. So he was eating a Dairy Queen blizzard. He finished it and then threw the cup in the garbage before going into the complex. And I was thinking, you know, if he continues to eat that way, is it really fair for him to get on the scales in a couple of weeks' time and be frustrated that he hasn't lost any weight? Nothing much is going to change if he keeps consuming Dairy Queen blizzards on his way to his workout. But this is the way it is with many of us. We're on that treadmill and we're eating a blizzard and we're wondering why we aren't seeing any results. We're saying, God, we, we want you to grow that love. We want you to grow that peace and patience and kindness in our lives while we're there watering the seeds of the sinful nature. And remember that the ones that we're trying to find here, they're at contrast with one another. You can't ask God to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life if you're not willing to deal with the weeds of the sinful nature. So you must repent of your sin and confess these sins. So here's a question for you, and it's not a rhetorical question. I want you to just take a second and answer this in your own heart or mind. What are the weeds of the sinful nature that need to be uprooted so that the Spirit can grow in your life? In Galatians 5, 19, Paul gives us a list. 
And it's not a comprehensive list, but he does give us what he calls the acts of the sinful nature. And he begins this way in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. So the first three deal with sexual sin. And the first phrase there is sexual immorality. And that deals with any sexual relationship that isn't between a husband and wife. The second word, translated impurity, that's what happens in our mind. And it's called lust. And there's no physical action with another party, but the issue is the thoughts that we entertain in our minds. The third word, translated as debauchery, by the New International Version, is also translated as shameful deeds by the contemporary English translation. So that captures the idea of living without restraint. No morals and no thought whatsoever of repercussions in what we do. Paul says, these are the weeds that you need to get out of your life. But everywhere we look in our culture, there's this not-so-subtle message This is what you need in your life. This is what you want in your garden. This is what you should be growing. And then he moves on with the list in verse 20. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Idolatry is worshiping anyone or anything other than God. That you might not have an idol in your home that you worship, but there might be something out in your garage that you worship. It, it might be a relationship with someone, or it might be a career. But whatever replaces God as the purpose of your life, Paul says that is idolatry. That is a false God, and that will choke out the fruit of the Spirit. And then the list continues with hating others, being hard to get along with, and he says that people become jealous and angry and selfish, and they not only argue and cause trouble, but they are envious. And then Paul ends the list this way in verse 24, excuse me, 21. Then there is drunkenness, orgies, and the like. In other words, for those of you who are thinking, oh good, he didn't Talk about my thing in there. Well, Paul says, yes, that thing is on the list as well. The most Bible commentaries believe that Paul intentionally intertwines acts of the sinful nature that we consider to be more heinous with those other acts that we don't consider to be that bad. They're more acceptable. And the tendency is for us to look at our garden and say, well, I don't have that weed in my garden, the weed of sexual immorality or witchcraft. And we overlook the fact that we have the weeds of jealousy or pride or selfishness when those weeds are just as deadly to the fruit of the Spirit. And then in in the second half of verse 21, Paul says this, and this is actually a paraphrase. Look, those who live this way, those who are just who just are content to look out in their garden and see these seeds these weeds growing and not do anything about it they are not going to enter the kingdom of god so he mixes the weeds that we might look on as no big deal with the ones that are a really big deal but in god's economy they all have to be dealt with so he talks to us about pulling the weeds But there's an important truth. Whether you are pulling the weeds of the sinful nature or you are growing the fruit of the Spirit, 
It is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many people grow up in church and they actually miss that part of the message. They listen to sermons week after week and it's a very similar message. Pull the weeds, grow the fruit. Pull the weeds, grow the fruit. Don't do those things. Do these things. And they come to church and they feel guilty because they're trying not to do those things and to do these things, trying their very best, but they're failing. And eventually they're overwhelmed with guilt and they either just start to fake it or they walk away from church because the church is asking them to do things that they don't have the power to do. The correct message is that you do it all through the power of the Holy Spirit. They look at Galatians 5.16. So I tell you, live by following the Spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. One of the most dangerous false teachings out there today is this do-it-yourself approach to Christianity. And it's not new because Jesus is actually encountered this back in his day. There were false teachers who liked Jesus, who said that he was a very good man, but he wasn't good enough to save you. There were certain things that you had to do in order to be saved. So beware, it's not going to happen through your own effort, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then look at what Paul wrote in Galatians 3.3. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now are you trying to make it complete by your own power? That is foolish. So he's writing to address the attitude that says, I know I've got to pull these weeds, and I know I've got to grow this fruit by myself. I've just got to try a little bit harder. When traveling through the terminals of many airports in our world, you now see moving sidewalks. And somehow I've got the idea that they are the ultimate in laziness. Whenever I go to a building that has an elevator, I take the stairs. And that was tough back in the days when heart surgeries were on the 11th floor of the Victoria General Hospital. That meant when I went up to visit a patient, I had to walk 11 flights of stairs. And each flight of stairs in a a facility like that isn't just 16 steps. They have another 8 feet in between floors for all their technical stuff. So that was quite a climb. You had to sit there and then rest for a couple of minutes until you could actually talk again. So I'm not going to get on those moving escalators. And last year I was on three trips, some of them with the church, some of them with family members. They're on the moving escalator, relaxing, just standing there, and I'm pounding along beside them. And then sometimes my friends or my family members will start to walk a little bit just to make me have to walk even faster. But we make it to the end of that 100 plus meters and I'm out of breath, but I'm proud that I did it on my own. But it was so easy for them. I think that's a picture of what our life looks like in a religion versus a relationship with Jesus Christ, where we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit moves us, the Spirit strengthens us, and the Spirit carries the baggage that we were never intended to carry on our own. The Spirit keeps us going in the right direction. It keeps us from veering off to the left or to the right. The Spirit 
helps us in our pride so that we don't say, I can do this myself. But if we try to do it ourselves, it leads to frustration, it leads to exhaustion, and it just doesn't work. So Paul says, listen, the way to pull weeds and grow fruit is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a nice thing to say, and everybody would probably say amen, brother, to that, but what does it mean? Here's what it means to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Living by the Spirit is a constant awareness and it's a constant prayer. In Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So when he says keep in step, this is the idea of walking along beside somebody and you're trying to basically get in sync with the way that they're walking. So right foot, right foot, left foot, left foot, right foot, right foot, left foot, left foot. And you have to stay in sequence with them. So God is saying, this is the way that I want you to do it with me. I want you to keep in step with my spirit. You stay with it. You give your constant attention to it. You keep in step with the Spirit the very same way. A man by the name of Bill Bright has helped a lot of people learn to acknowledge the presence of the Spirit in their lives through an exercise called spiritual breathing. And the idea is that you live with a moment-by-moment awareness of the Spirit until walking in the Spirit is just as natural as breathing. And here's the exercise. He says, the moment you become aware of sin in your life, the moment you see a weed begin to appear in your garden, you physically exhale and repent of the sin. So the moment a selfish spirit sets in or you start to lose control or you find yourself being critical or negative instead of joyful, you exhale and you say, God, I confess my sin and I want you for my life. And then you inhale And when you inhale, you are breathing in the promise that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you're going to surrender that area of your life over to him. So you breathe out the sinful nature and you breathe in the Spirit and consciously put your faith in the promise of God who will fill you with the Spirit. See, the more you live in constant awareness and the constant prayer of God, I repent of my sin, God, fill me with your Spirit, the more it just becomes a natural part of your day. It will feel awkward at first, but keep at it, and it will change. I talked to a golf pro and an instructor, and he said that he would rather teach a person that's never touched a golf club before than someone who has played for some time and just isn't getting any better. He said said to one guy, you've done this before, haven't you? And the guy very proudly said, oh, yes, I have. But the man had a horrible swing and he hit the ball with this terrific slice to the right and he was always in the woods. Muscle memory had set in and he had a natural swing that was a terrible swing. For people like that, what the instructors have to do is break that swing down altogether and start with a completely new swing. And it's going to be very awkward for them. And it takes a lot of practice until it becomes natural. And that's true for us. 
because we've grown accustomed to seeing different weeds growing in our garden, and it's not going to feel natural to repent on a regular basis. It's not going to feel natural to pray throughout the day, God, fill me with your spirit. But the more you do it, the more you find yourself just walking, left foot, left foot, right foot, right foot, keeping in step with the Spirit. Living by the Spirit also requires filtered thinking. The battleground for the sinful nature and the Spirit is your thought life. So we're in Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who live following their sinful selves think only about things that their sinful selves want. But those who live following the Spirit are thinking about the things the Spirit wants them to do. If people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, there is death. But if their thinking is controlled by the Spirit, there is life and peace. So Paul says, what you think about is going to either feed the sinful nature or it's going to feed the Spirit. And they both have a strong appetite. So think about what you're feeding your mind. The music that you listen to, that is going to have an effect. The books that you read, the magazines that you read, what you look at on your electronic device, they all matter. It will either grow weeds of the sinful nature or the fruit of the Spirit. A nutritionist and personal trainer talked to a lot of people who have great intentions about getting in shape and losing weight, but they don't realize how their calorie consumption is actually adding up. So he makes up this calorie counter for them and he gets them to track everything they eat each day. And that's everything, every little candy that they eat, every bottle of pop that they drink, or even if they're at McDonald's with their children and that child doesn't eat three chicken McNuggets and you sneak that and eat that. And that bedtime snack, it all goes in the diary. And he said that well-intentioned people, they're shocked by the number of calories that they consume in the run of a day. Here's a challenge for you. You think you're doing okay on the filtered thinking part, but are you really? Just write down those things, and at the end of the day, see if you've spent more time on feeding the sinful nature or on feeding the spirit, meditating on Scripture, praying, singing out loud to worship music. Maybe it's reading the Bible to your children at night. Walking in the Spirit and living by the Spirit require filtered thinking. And then finally, living by the Spirit means that you die to yourself. In verse 24, Paul said, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves. They have given up their own selfish feelings, and the evil things they wanted to do. An old theologian was asked by a young man, why do I keep having these struggles? If the old self was crucified with Christ, why do I still have these evil desires? Why do I keep slipping back into that old way of thinking? And the wise theologian said, it's because crucifixion is a long, painful process. That's why Paul says in Scripture, I die daily. So it's a daily thing to put to death the sinful nature. And then in Colossians 3, Paul said, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And that's the only way to deal with it. Don't cover it up with mulch and think, okay, nobody's going to notice it over on that side of the garden. 
Don't put makeup on the sinful nature and dress it up and try to make it look more acceptable. You've got to pull that weed out by the root. And the more you die to yourself, the more room you actually make to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In a recent message, our associate pastor James quoted, the filling of the Holy Spirit does not mean that the believer gets more of the Holy Spirit. It means that the Holy Spirit gets more of the believer. And I pray that will happen for you in this series, that we'll empty ourselves of ourselves and we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit will grow in our lives. I pray this will happen for you. Contact us at the church if you want to talk to someone about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been wondering what that means. Maybe you are ready to do that. You want to be baptized. Maybe you want to understand what it means to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and to understand that this is a power to enable you to do things that you can't do on your own.